Kære lytter, velkommen til, eller for jer, der har fulgt den her idiosynkratiske podcast-serie på The Lake Radio, velkommen tilbage til den her lille verden, hvor vi i fællesskab dyrker den her herlige hobby, som musikken er. Jeg skal nok guide jer. Mit navn, det er Jan Ø. Strikker. Serien her har taget en drejning fra i starten at undersøge mit eget forhold til Aarhus, til nu primært at være ublu reklame for Organ Sound Art Festival, som jeg laver sammen med Bjørn Ross fra Koncertkirken. Den finder sted 15. til 18. december i år i Koncertkirken på Blågårdsplads i København, og vi skal i den her episode lytte til mange af de kunstnere, som optræder på årets festival. Endda også et par interviews med nogle af dem, som er ved at skrive helt nye værker specifikt til festivalen. Men bare rolig. Du kan sagtens lytte til serien her, uden at ville købe billet til festivalen. Om ikke andet så for at opdatere dit kendskab til, hvilke samtidige kunstnere, der gør hvad med Aarhus. Så, nu har jeg i hvert fald varedeklareret udsendelsen her. Sidste år på festivalen, der havde vi besøg af, hvad der viste sig at være en kæmpe stjerne af et menneske, den tyske organist og komponist Eva Maria Hoben. Da aftenen før den anden store pandemiske nedlukning spillede to jeg tror næsten ikke, jeg har brugt det her adjektiv før, men fortryllende koncerter, som stadig står meget klare for mig. Og det nævner jeg, fordi Håben udgiver sine CD'er via det pladselskab og internationale komponistkollektiv, der hedder Vandelweiser, hvis musik til stor del er karakteriseret af sparsomme, tyste, nærmest sårbare soundscapes, der hyppigt indeholder passager med komplet stilhed. Det er også tilfældet med den svejtiske klarinetist og komponist Jørg Frey fra Selvsamme Kollektiv, hvis musik vi hører her i baggrunden. Dvælende, præcist, nogle gange tyst, men alligevel omsluttende, som Aarhus kan være med sine mange piber. I år der opfører organisten Peter Navarro Alonso som det første på Organ Sound Art Festival et lille program med nyere musik for Aarhus. Og et af de stykker, han nu sidder og øver sig på, det er det, vi hører herunder, og som vi om lidt skal hengive os til, nemlig et værk fra Jørg Freis hånd fra 1999 fra serien One Instrument Series. Det her, det er det tredje for organ.
Jørg Freis musik klinger ud. Vi skal høre et andet værk, som også skal opføres af Peter Navarro Alonso. Det er en komponist, som også er fra Vandelweiser, nemlig amerikanske Michael Pizarro. Og der er nogle formelle ligheder mellem deres to værker, men også nogle helt essentielle klanglige og dynamiske forskelle, som I kommer til at høre. Michael Pizarro, Sexual Reason hedder det. Det er fra en antologi fra 2017 med titlen Organ for the Senses, hvor alle værker er indspillet på verdens største udendørsovl, det der hedder Sprickles Organ Pavilion i San Diego, Kalifornien, og det har i alt 5.017 piber. Michael Pizarro, here we go.
Vi træder videre direkte ind i titelnummeret på den svenske komponist Linnea Talps plade fra foråret 2020, Ark of Motion. Linnea Talp spiller sidste koncert lørdag aften under årets festival. En koncert, som jeg ser enormt meget frem imod.
you could also start playing a little bit maybe and then I don't know if it's an easier to jump into a conversation. We could try that and then we can also try playing again later or something. Yeah. Thank you. That was a perfect introduction. Now I'm going to have you move uh, a little bit closer, maybe a little bit uncomfortably closer. Because this microphone likes to be close. Caroline, can you tell me, just like introduce yourself? Who are you and why are you here in Copenhagen? And yeah, what kind of musical background do you come from? So I am a uh, composer and woodwind player. Um, and I am originally from Cork in Ireland and I moved to Copenhagen back in 2016 after studying a master's uh, at the Music Conservatory in Aarhus. Um, but actually my original background uh, is in classical music. Um, I was a classical saxophone player at one point um, and I did a bachelor in that but uh since that time, I've been working more in the field of improvised music, experimental music, new music, and the crossover between, I suppose, yeah, more experimental forms of jazz music. And yes, I guess here in Copenhagen, I find that I found an intersection between uh, a lot of uh, like of the more kind of traditional music genres uh, through my interest in improvisation and that's been like very formative for me now as a composer working with uh, acoustic music uh, that is in some ways uh, yeah uh, falling into the field of uh, composition but where improvisation is a huge part of the process and the development of the music. Yes, the short answer. 
I'm actually a little bit interested in uh, Cork. What's what's the music scene there? And did you play music as a child? And how did you get into music? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Cork is uh, really. Uh, It's a special place because it's a small city, maybe the size of Aarhus, um, but it has a really, really strong art scene um, that almost, you know, has tried to assert itself outside of the capital. You know, that's, I guess, a quite a common thing for the second city. Um, but because it's a small place, it means that a lot of uh, musicians tend to play across different genres and different fields. So you'll have people who grew up playing folk music who now play, you know, got classically trained afterwards and got into playing classical music or people who played rock music growing up and then started to study jazz like in later life. So you have a lot of musicians who kind of wear different hats. And I think that's definitely stuck with me in terms of how my professional life looks now. that I tend to be quite curious and jump around in different genres. But when it comes to experimental music in Cork, actually, there's quite a strong uh, sound art scene there. So I would say that when it comes to improvisation, actually, things like instrument building and um, soundscapes, field recordings, a a lot of improvised or free improvised music is coming out of that world almost intersecting with the visual art world more so than I say would come from people who are playing, for example, jazz music. So, yeah, that's that's an interesting thing about the scene there. Mm. What scenes are you involved in here in Copenhagen? Like what communities and yeah? I think uh, when I moved to Copenhagen first, I actually didn't have, you know, a, a network here or, you know, I hadn't come out of any of the music institutions here. And so it kind of left me a little bit open in a way. And uh, one of the first experiences I had actually uh, was to attend a, a, a camp. Well, you say it was called Europe Accordion Traf, uh, which was um, he- held in Europe uh, High School and organized by Kristen Osgood. And as the name uh, will tell you, <laughs> It had absolutely nothing to do really with accordions. Uh, it was more like a, a kind of a what a pseudonym uh, for a very, very open uh, music uh, exchange. Uh, I guess the common thread uh, between all of the musicians there was improvisation, but it really didn't define any kind of genre at all. So there were people coming from pop backgrounds, jazz backgrounds, folk backgrounds, classical music backgrounds, all being piled into different ensembles together and uh, playing free music and talking about sound. And that actually was kind of the foundation for uh, where I find myself now, uh, which actually is, you know, in some ways uh, in a cross section between different genres a lot. Uh, um, And I suppose that also falls back on my background as a kind of a as a as an instrumentalist, somebody who, you know, I do quite often get invited to play in different people's projects and uh, guest in different ensembles uh, as a clarinetist or saxophone player. So, yeah, so I, I get to to kind of dip into different genres in some ways, which is really nice. Thank you. 
we're going to talk about the piece that uh, Organ Sound Art Festival commissioned. But uh, it's a piece that you have written, or you've co-written maybe, for the Copenhagen Clarinet Choir. So maybe you can explain what is Copenhagen Clarinet Choir that mm. you kind of uh, initiated or started a couple of years ago. Yeah. So, <clears throat> I mean, when people hear that title, they often kind of have preconceptions in some ways of what that might be. And I kind of enjoy that, actually. I kind of chose that title in a way to kind of go with this, uh, well, i mean, it's essentially it's a project uh, has started out as a project for my own compositions um, for that instrumentation. But I also am drawing on the fact that the clarinet choir is is a thing in the sense that a symphony orchestra or a string quartet or a wind quintet, you know, people know what that instrumentation is. And uh, traditionally, a clarinet choir, although it's been not so popular here in Europe, in the US, a lot of high schools will have clarinet choirs. And then it's a very symphonic thing where they will, you know, have all the different types of clarinets from contrabass up to E flat and going through alto and yes, bass clarinet and all those things and uh, and arrange music that's already composed in the context of this. Um, so, yeah, this is not what Copenhagen Clarinet Choir is really at all. Um, so the music is uh, being written for the instrumentation of six uh, B-flat clarinets, as they are known in very, you could say, soprano clarinets. Um, and uh, and then I like this title choir because I think about uh, how much uh, this kind of an equalizer in the sense that when you bring a group of people together to sing, everybody is coming with the same instrument. And uh, uh, this was something that was kind of important in the kind of, I suppose, conceptualization of the music for this group, because I was interested in finding uh, a way to bring a group of improvising wind players together where the kind of individual personalities of the wind players were not on display. That's not to say that they weren't important because, of course, the musicians that are part of the group are extremely creative and extremely, yeah, like they're musicians I like to work with, so they're not interchangeable. But the idea was to create kind of like a unified sound that kind of, you know, we made a record and when I was mixing the record, you know, I I wasn't saying, oh, let's turn up Maria there or turn Francesco down there. It was, let's like, you know, just make this unified, homogenous sound from this group of six players. Um, so, yeah. What happens when uh, six uh, soprano clarinets play at the same time? Well, you know, it was a really, I feel to me, it's still a really like beautiful moment that uh, the first rehearsal that we had in in this uh, as this group was at Konzertkirchen, where we will be performing for the organ organ festival. And, uh, you know, on a very simplified uh, level, I did m my first thought when I thought, OK, I'm going to bring six clarinets together. What's this going to be? And the very first piece that I wrote for the group, which ended up becoming the album album title uh, it's called organism uh, which is you know it's like a little bit of a pun on different levels but like the sound of the organ actually was in my mind because I just thought about like reeds and you know <laughs> how that blend sounds and I it just brought my mind to the, the the organ straight away and then also I 
tried to I, I started to think about what an intimate relationship a performer of an instrument like the organ has with their instrument because quite often it's played solo and it's played, you know, in a part of the church that's kind of with the back to the congregation and a little bit like a personal, yeah, very intimate relationship. And I tried to kind of translate that feeling into this context of six musicians that are blending into one. So almost like that the impulses that are happening in the music are happening as if they were uh, being interpreted by one person rather than six different people, you know. So in some ways, yeah, I, I think that's why I'm very excited for us to play at the Organ Festival, because it almost feels like a nice uh, return to the original concept of the group. Yeah, we commissioned you to write a piece for for the festival um, and it ended up being called Compus Corpus, mm-hmm. but it's hardly really a piece f- of organ music uh, in a traditional sense. Can you maybe explain how you, as, as you put it, re-imagine uh, the organ in the context of the ensemble? I mean, what's the relationship between these set of uh, clarinets and then the sound of an organ? Or? Well, the title is... Uh I mean, it's a nod to different things. Being in the church for me is like it's, uh, you know, that has a lot of uh, implications for me, you know, like thinking traditionally about the organ as being a church instrument, but also the fact that the performance of this piece is in the church um, is maybe where this, you know, Latin kind of came. I think of, you know, traditional Catholic masses uh, like using Latin. Um, So there's also uh, the idea of like when somebody somebody is understanding something uh, you say that they're uh, compus mentis like understanding with the, the in their right mind and then I, I kind of took that to another uh, stage of trying to understand something with the body um, and that's actually a kind of a field of research that I'm kind of undertaking at the moment as part of my soloist uh, education at the RMC um, in composition Um, and just how something can be embodied. Uh, uh, And this is kind of uh, also in the context of this organ piece, I'm writing how the organ itself, the instrument and the structure of it, um, the fact that, for example, you are uh, somebody who's operating an instrument, uh, you know, there's a manual aspect to it, but the instrument itself is much, much larger than your your kind of uh, physical touch to it, that it's 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 taking up a much larger space. Um, and this is, uh, yeah, something that I, I, I'm kind of trying to find in this piece, that there's uh, this intimate relationship between one person and an instrument, but there's also something that's being embodied in a larger structure. Um, And for an organ, of course, we know that the a lot of those instruments were built in into a church, like built into a cathedral, built and and take into account the acoustics of that uh, building that they were made in. So organ players will tell you that like the instrument isn't just like what you're physically touching, but it's actually the space and the room and. That's uh, kind of an important thing to me in my work as well to kind of, uh, yeah, spatialize what, where we are as, uh, you know, six six people standing with instruments uh, in a physical space. Like uh, a lot of people who come to hear the clarinet choir actually 
end up commenting on on how we look physically. And I think it has something to do with the fact that we are all standing there with the same instrument, that it's almost like you're just looking at people on the stage rather than there's that person sitting by the piano, there's that person behind the bass or, you know, that 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 kind of separation isn't as strong. So, yeah, I don't know if that sounds uh, like broad, but I'm, I'm, you know, I'm using it as a starting point for 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 just uh, reimagining the organ. Yeah. Is this like a fully composed piece or is it like improvisational as well? Yeah, so it's, you know, uh, all of the pieces that I, I've written for Copenhagen Clarinet Choir, they are compositions, but I have to confess that the scores that I write are quite short and not so detailed. And, you know, I've, I've pondered over that and why that is, because it's not that I don't spend time with it. It's more that I <laughs> maybe being in some ways a jazz musician, uh, like to always feel that something is living and breathing and that there's always options and, and choices to be made in performance. Um, so because of that, the nature of how we work is very much starting with a, a score, but then uh, developing that as a group. So it'll be the same for this piece. Like I've notated some things, but we develop them in in our our practice sessions um, and kind of shape them together. Um, and that's that's important to me as well. You know, it's the way I like to work. I'm not uh, the kind of composer who wants to notate everything and then have it played exactly in, in some way, because I I guess I always feel like quite um, reverent towards the people I'm working with as well, that I know that they're going to bring extra extra greatness to something uh, if I let them, you know, be in touch with their imaginations. So, yeah. Earlier this year, you put out a record, your mm-hmm. debut uh, album for Cl- Copenhagen Clarinet Choir called Organism. Can you tell us just a little bit about that uh, that record, how it came about and what it consists of? Yeah, I would say that the, uh, like, I mean, it's sometimes it's hard to say that you're always conceptualizing something going into it and it's a kind of looking back you say ah okay yeah yeah I mean the always going back to what I said my original uh, principle around this group was to kind of uh, find different contexts to make us feel like we were creating one body of sound and then I you know explored that in in different ways uh, like water, the movement of water. Uh, there's one piece on it called Water Piece, and that's uh, almost to me, in my mind, it was more like a an installation piece. It was kind of hard to record it because I didn't feel like it was the sort of piece that had like a, a narrative from A to Z, but it was more like a like a, a sound world that you kind of entered into. Um, uh, so that was one uh, one uh, piece on the album then there's also a piece called hive mind and that was like much more kind of like i suppose a uh, kind of a direct exploration of uh, what happens if we try and and mimic uh, like you know a swarm of bees and i suppose thinking about how uh, how much we can create frames where we are collectively moving around the instrument and following each other without there being one leader, but at the same time, there being like a shape that we're kind of, uh, yeah, like, you know, 
scribbling. It's almost like scribbling shadows on a page, I, I feel. And actually the score of that, even though I, when I notated that, it almost does look like kind of like swarms of insects. I kind of found different kinds of notation in Sibelius, this notation program that I was using that, you know, don't like specific, specify pitches, but more specify kind of um, uh, areas like um, yeah, I'm using my hands here now so you can see that. But uh, yeah, yeah, I guess movement is is something that I'm actually quite interested in. This is kind of going back to uh, talked about the body uh, that like, I don't know, I guess I visualize uh, kind of uh, patterns or imagine kind of, yeah, like shapes, gestures, things like that. These are the things that kind of like get my imagination ticking. Um, I guess it's quite impressionistic in a way, the music, in that sense, that it's, uh, yeah, a representation of something visual in my mind. Mm. Thank you so much. Thank you, Jan. Carolins ene kleinet i et lokale på Rytmisk Musikkonservatorium til Copenhagen Clarinet Choirs seks kleinetter. Vi flyder stille og roligt ind i den første af tre bevægelser, Movement Number no. 1, fra pladen Organism, som kom tidligere i år på det lokale pladselskab og komponistkollektiv År og Dag.
Copenhagen Clarinet Choirs første bevægelse. Nu hæver vi intensiteten og genbesøger en gammel bekendt fra New York, den tidligere taxachauffør Philip Glass, som vi både har hørt flere gange før i den her podcast-serie, og faktisk også tidligere på Organ Sound Art Festival. I begge tilfælde med den komposition, der hedder Mad Rush, og som er et af de stykker musik, der i sin tid antændte min egen kærlighed til musikken. Det er fra 1979, men vi skal 10 år tilbage i tiden til 1969, og hans Music in Contrary Motion, som er et stykke musik i, hvad Glass kalder åben form. Det hverken rigtig starter eller slutter. Figurerne udvikler sig og kunne teoretisk fortsætte med at argumentere for evigt. Og grunden til, at vi skal høre det her stykke musik, det er, at det bliver opført på Organ Sound Art Festival som en del af åbningsaftenen i selskab med Jørg Frey og Michael Pizarro. Minimalistisk og intenst minimalistisk. Vi starter og slutter et sted, og vi starter her.
Fra New York til København indsniger sig lyden af den herboende australske saxofonist og komponist Callum Bilder, som skulle have været med på Organ Sound Art Festival sidste år med et helt nyskrevet værk, Renewal Manifestation, som desværre måtte aflyse i sidste øjeblik, hvilket selvfølgelig var enormt skuffende. Men heldigvis er Callum tilbage i år med et imponerende og relativt stort hjemmebygget ovl, det han selv kalder for The Reconstructed Pipe Organ, som kommer til at fylde ud over gulvet fredag aften indtil Callum spiller sidste koncert. Måske i duet med sig selv på saxofon, det er jeg faktisk ikke helt klar over, men med Simon Marie går til at manipulere og diffusere lyden. Vi skal lytte til et kortere uddrag fra Callums afsluttende koncert som solist fra Rytmisk Musikkonservatorium, hvor han gennem den to år lange uddannelse arbejdede på at konstruere sit instrument. Og den her optagelse den er fra juni i år.
Callum Bilder og Simon Mariegaard nu til den første af festivalens i alt to Aarhus Cello duer. Pianisten Kit Downs og cellisten Lucy Railton, hvis seneste plade, de har nemlig samarbejdet en del gange før, hedder Superial og er optaget i Skarlholds Domkirke i Island i 2017. Pladen den udkom sidste år. Og det er, synes jeg, en virkelig flot optaget plade, hvor både Shell og Aarhus kan få lov til at være nærværende og intense, væve sig ind og ud af hinanden. Det er ofte den svære kunst med at optage Aarhus i et kirkerum, at instrumentet kommer så langt væk. Det gør det ikke her. Nummeret det hedder Of Becoming and Dying. Pladen den hedder Superior. Lucy Railton og Kit Downs de spiller fredag aften under årets festival.
Vi går fra Kit Downs og Lucy Railton til et helt andet udtryk. Den australske komponist og koncertarrangør, bør jeg vil sige, John Chandler kører festivalen Edition Festival for Other Music i Stockholm. En festival, jeg hvert år drømmer lidt om at finde tid til at tage op til, for programmet det ser altid rigtig interessant ud. Det vi lytter til, det er nummeret The Long Shadow of Decline Part 1 fra udgivelsen Still Light Outside, der udkom i 2015. Og på en måde markeret, at John Chandler dengang flyttede fra London, hvor han også igennem mange år havde arrangeret koncerter, og så til Stockholm. For i månederne op til hans afgang, der foretog Chandler adskillige timelange optagelser af ham selv, der spillede på det store pibål i St. John at Hackney Church. De optagelser tog han så med til det legendariske elektroniske musikstudie EMS i Stockholm, hvor han så processerede det gennem de endeløse modulare systemer, som befinder sig der, lagde lidt ekstra elektroniske elementer til. Så en bro mellem der, hvor han kom fra, og der, hvor han nu skulle bo. John Chandler han spiller torsdag aften på festivalen på Koncertkirkens hovedovl, og måske eller forhåbentlig, ja det ved jeg ikke helt endnu, forstærket gennem en masse hængende højtalere, som Chandler selv har bygget og medbringer. The Long Shadow of Decline, Part 1.
Nu får John Chandler lov til at klinge ud. Vi tager en pause, før jeg tænder for musikken igen. Og så læser jeg lige lidt fra den her tekst, der handler om det næste, vi skal høre. This project started in the days after the death of my friend Johan Johansson. I was going through my hard drives, listening to and working with sounds Johan had given to me for various reasons through the years. Some are part of music that was to be released, some was master files for coming releases. I had provided some sound manipulation for some stuff and acted as a third ear on some releases. But main sound source was a recording in Copenhagen in 2007, where Johan was improvising on the church organ of Heli Korskirke in Nørrebro. He recorded it to study the possibilities of the organ and gave me the recordings to use, which I later did that year when I supported his concert at the magnificent Marble Church in Copenhagen, and later made a track that became available on a limited edition tape release. That track, Dr. Diablo Plays the Organ, became a blueprint for this project and is included on this release as well. This is a dedication to Johan as well as an insight into my own state of mind at the time, a mental collapse which in a way was triggered by Johan's death in February 2018, and I did not start to see the darkness lift until the summer of 2021, when I finally sought out professional help. I got the diagnosis ADHD, which helped me understand a lot about my life. In that period, between 2018 and 2021, I had three releases almost ready, but had not been able to finish until I got the diagnosis. Only after the fact and after the darkness lifted, I could see that these three releases are connected and form a trilogy that show the mental state I was in, an incapacitating downward spiral, a crushing chaos, but in the end, searching for the light and a way up to the surface. Det her, det er skrevet af den islandske komponist Rona Magnusson, og det står i coveret til udgivelsen Komplet Kollaps, A Dedication to Johan Johansson der udkom 19. september i år, og som er en hyldest til den islandske komponist Johan Johansson, som gik bort i 2018. På festivalen der opfører Runa en versionering af materialet på albumet over de fire kanalers anlæg, som står i Koncertkirken. Vi skal høre et uddrag af et af numrene fra pladen, et som sine nok hedder, og stars gone dem.
Måske jeg kan få dig til at fortælle mig lige, hvem du er, hvad din baggrund er. Ja, jamen altså, jeg er billedkunstner, uddannet fra det jyske kunstakademi, og så efterfølgende uddannet ovenbygger. Nok er mest med interesse i det sådan, konstruktionsmæssige og lydelige af det. Og så har jeg så sådan kombineret det, kan man sige, og blevet ovenkunst på mange forskellige måder. Øhm, lyd, ja, hvis jeg skal beskrive hvad, lidt, hvad mit felt er øhm, så er det et sted mellem skulptur og lyd og performance øhm, det er der jeg synes er det mest interessante og det mest interessante sted at arbejde tidligere har jeg haft motorer mekaniske eller elektro, elektriske motorer involveret øhm, Hvilket også involveret en masse mekanik, som kunne gå galt. Så det øh, har ligesom hjulpet at sætte mig selv i spil. <laughs> så nu er jeg selv motoren, og det, det giver et helt andet element. Som, øh, ja. Så det er sådan, her befinder jeg mig godt. Det du siger med, at det er et sted mellem installation og koncert og performance, det er også det, vi er ude i her. Det er et værk, som du laver specifikt til, til vores festival. Og øh, kunne jeg ikke få dig til at beskrive, hvad det er, vi står midt i her? Hvordan ser det ud? Jo, altså egentlig så, så består det jo af to værker, øh, selvstændige værker. Øh, så vi har det ene værk, som øh, simpelt er, består af to ålpiber hver sin tone. De bliver forsynet med luft, og så er der øh, nedsinket en kugle, som på en eller anden måde øh, påvirker lyden. De er spændt ud med nogle snore, som man så kan hæve og sænke dem, mens de spiller. Der er et andet element, som jeg har mulighed for at styre, og det er luftforsyningen. Jeg kan skrue op og ned. Det er de elementer, der er. To piber, de kugler, der er nedsinket, og så, og så luftforsyningen. Ja. Og kuglerne, de styrer tonehøjden, eller hvordan? Ja, det skulle man tro, og det gør de også til dels. Det er jo sådan, at når man afkorter en pipe, så bliver den, ja, så bliver den så lysere, men, men, men kuglerne, de lukker ikke hullet. Så derfor så gør de noget andet. De ændrer til dels tonehøjden, altså, og måske mest af alt på nogle bestemte punkter, hvor fysikken ligesom går op. Men ellers så, så er det måske mere karakteren, vil jeg sige. Og så der, hvor det virkelig 
øh, spiller, der er det også volumen, det påvirker. Øh, så det er sådan lidt et sjovt lydbillede, der kommer ud af det. Jeg tænker måske mest på sådan, hvis man har ørerne under vand, hvordan det hele bliver sådan lidt grødet i det. Og så har et andet billede, og det, det er lidt det samme, ikke? men hvis man sidder på en café og stikker fingrene i ørerne, der har jeg siddet. <laughs> Tror du ikke godt, jeg kunne få dig til at demonstrere det? Jo, det kunne du godt. Ja, altså, nu har jeg jo ligesom tøjret kuglerne her på et lod på gulvet, så nu frigør jeg dem så. Så nu kan jeg bevæge dem frit med... Ja, der ramte de så bunden. Men så kan jeg ligesom bevæge dem frit op og ned i pipen. Ligesom nedsænke dem, ikke? Og der er en til hver, ikke? Så det er de to piber, som så sådan ligesom bliver... Ja, jeg ved slet ikke, hvad man skal kalde det. Vil du gerne høre det? Ja. Ja, det vil du gerne. Jeg kan jo så også ændre, øh, hvor meget luft, ikke? Men øh, nu giver jeg den gas. Så kommer det lige stille. Så lige nu flytter jeg dem ikke. Lige nu er de ligesom bare på et bestemt sted nede i pipen. Men når jeg så bevæger den, så kan man godt høre. Det er ligesom tonen, der bliver ændret her. Ikke? Men så når jeg et andet punkt. Der kan man ligesom høre, at der sker et eller andet. Hvor det ikke kun er tone, men også sådan karakter. Faktisk, så sker der det, at her har vi en dyb tone, og så sænker den længere ned, og så kommer der en lysere tone, og det hænger ikke umiddelbart sammen. Og så kan man spille på dem, hvor de ligesom arbejder mod hinanden. Og det giver også sådan lidt... <laughs> ja, for mig er det interessant. Det er, øh, det er ligesom en anden måde at spille på noget. Man kan måske diskutere, om jeg overhovedet spiller sådan rigtigt på det. Ikke? Jeg tænker selv over, hvad det er for en kategori. Det var også det, jeg beskrev før. Ikke? Jeg synes jo ikke... Jeg synes, det er svært at kalde det musik. <laughs> det er mere et lydbillede. Så skal du have bundet dem fast hernede til det store lod. 5 kilos lodet her. Ja. Imens så kan jeg sige, at bagved os, der står noget andet, som jo også er en slags instrument. Og det kan du også godt få lov at beskrive. Det synes jeg jo så, hvis man, skal, hvis man nu skal til at kategorisere det på den måde, så er det jo mere end et, et instrument end det andet. Fordi det også er, måske fordi det involverer noget... noget melodisk og noget smuk klang også. Det er egentlig ganske simpelt. Det er... Hvor mange rør har jeg? <laughs> Otte rør skåret i længde af forskellige toner. Ind i røret er der så placeret et lille gitter. Sådan en fjerdedel oppe i røret neden. Rørene er åbne. De hænger fra et stativ. Det der så sker, det er at jeg opvarmer med nogle små gasbrændere gitteret op i røret. Og når jeg så fjerner gasbrænderen igen, 
så skal varmen ligesom så frigiver røret ligesom varmen. Varmen siver ud, det udligner sig, og i det frembringer det en tone. Hvis jeg fører gasflammen hen til den igen, før den er færdig, så afbryder jeg tonen. Så, så det er sådan, hvor lang tid tonen klinger, kan også afhænge af, hvor meget den er varmet op. Og det kan også afhænge af, om jeg har spillet på det lang tid, om hele røret er blevet varmt, om hvor koldt der er i rummet, og sådan. så der er sådan mange parametre, der er faktisk ret svært at kontrollere. Der står to gasbrænder hernede, og jeg er lidt nysgerrig på, om du gider demonstrere også det her instrument. Det kan du tro. Jeg har været med sådan en speciel tænder her, der laver gnister. Den er sådan set, så der er ikke... Ja, det er bare rimelig handy, når nu man er sådan en, der leger med ild lige pludselig. Nu tænder vi for gassen, og så får vi tændt. Reportageoptagelsen her med billedkunstner og ålbygger Ea Borge til en ål-trio, eller faktisk to ål-trioer, ledet af komponisten, jazzpianisten, kirkeorganisten og musiketnologen Olga Witte, som har skrevet to koncerter for ål og henholdsvis to saxofoner og to basuner. Begge triors musikalske grundelement er eksperimentel jazz, som Vitte integrerer med strukturer, principper og praksiser fra balinesisk gamelan, som hun har lært og internaliseret ved langvarige musiketnologiske feltarbejder på Bali. Vi skal høre et uddrag fra den første koncert med to basunister, Jens Christian Bang og Jens Balder. Olga Vitte Organ Trio spiller fredag 16. december på Organ Soundart Festival.
som basunerne rigtig sætter ind på det her nummer, som hedder Please Crawl Out My Eyelid af Olga Vite Organtrio, så skruer jeg langsomt ned. Vi skal nemlig til det sidste element i den her monsterudsendelse. Det er en optagelse af den skotske billedkunstner og instrumentbygger Sholto Dobi, som han har sendt til mig, og det er redigeret sammen af optagelser fra hans seneste måneds turné, hvor han blandt andre steder også kom forbi og optrådte ude på Polykrom på Amager i København. Sholto spiller et hjemmebygget ovl. Egentlig er det bare et sæt løse piber, som han kontrollerer lufttilførselen til, sådan lidt analogt med slanger, han kobler af og på. Og så har han en ældre, egentlig ret lille, hurtig-gørtig, det som på dansk hedder en drejeliger. Det er det, vi skal lytte til her til sidst. Men øh, faktisk så optræder Sholto på Organ Sound Art Festival i festivalens anden Aal Cielo Duo. Han skal nemlig spille, og det er første gang med den australske cellist Judith Hammond. De kommer til at have en art mini-residens i Koncertkirkens kælder i ugen op til festivalen, hvor de skal lave noget helt nyt materiale sammen. Det glæder jeg mig selv sagt til, for jeg har oplevet nogle helt vildt stærke optrædende fra de to kunstnere hver især inden for det seneste år. Skotske Scholto Dobi bor i Vilnius, australske Judith Hammond bor i Berlin lørdag den 17. december, der spiller de sammen i København.
Du har lyttet til I mit års hus med Jan Høgh Strikker, der udover at være en fortsættelse af en programserie også er en skamløs reklame for festivalen Organ Sound Art Festival, der foregår i Koncertkirken i København i år om lidt, nemlig 15-18. december 2022. Leder af Koncertkirken og dermed også af festivalen hedder Bjørn Ross. Vi laver festivalens program sammen, og hvis du går rundt derude og føler, at vi overser nogle helt oplagte kunstnere, der arbejder med Aarhus, så tag kontakt til mig eller til Koncertkirken med forslag. Vi vil nemlig gerne udvide vores horisonter. Jeg beklager, at der ikke var plads til samtlige kunstnere fra årets festival i det her program, men jeg opfordrer selvfølgelig jer lytter til selv at gå ind og læse mere om festivalen, og det gør man på enten Koncertkirkens hjemmeside eller på Facebook-eventet. Tak til alle kunstnere for at lade mig anvende deres materiale. Tak til jer borger og Carolyn Goodwin for at ville interviews. Tak til Kasper Wang for grafik til serien og jingle-version af en gammel Hans Eisler-melodi. Og tak til dig, kære lytter, for at være med. Jeg håber, vi ses ude foran et pibeinstrument i virkeligheden.